Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we've just come back from seeing King of Thieves, which is a heist movie, uh, rather like American Animals we saw the other week, based on a real-life heist. Yes. Um, this one in Britain. This is uh, so, supposed to be um, the, the the most expensive robbery, burglary, in British history. Numbers vary, but it's around 200 to £300 million pounds worth of loot these guys um, stole from uh, uh, a vault uh, in a sort of safe deposit uh, building in Hatton Garden, I think, in London. Yeah, Hatton Garden in London in 2015. Right. Uh, it's now been made into a movie. Well, it's been made into a couple of kind of low-budget things before this, and this is a kind of premium British movie. All right, about. no, it had been done before. Yeah, it's, it's one of those that, like, it's it gets adapted quite quickly because it's quite an exciting story, you know. Yes. I haven't seen either of the other adaptations. Right. Um... But this is a, a kind of a, a big one with Michael Caine, Jim Broadbent, uh, Tom Courtney, uh, Paul Whitehouse, Michael Gambon, Ray Winston, and Charlie Cox as the youngster of the group. Yes. Um, it, it was it, one of the things that comes up in the film is this idea that once the Flying Squad gets involved, they're saying we're we're looking for a really advanced gang of thieves here. These guys knew what they were doing, and so everyone's going, "Well, they can't be English then." <laughs> but it turns out that actually not only are they English, they're pensioners. Englishness is like a theme in the film. Absolutely. Um, my my initial response is I like bits of it, but overall I don't think it's very good. Uh, I know I can tell you have, have some vitriol to it. I think. Yes, I mean I just hated it. Really, I mean um, I, I couldn't wait for it to be over. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. There were a few good jokes, and actually I think all the actors are very good because you know they really resist making these old codgers into lovable old codgers. They're actually quite nasty and quite funny, really. So I think, you know, praise to the actors. Um, but I just thought the narration and the narrative and the way that it was filmed and the way that it was edited was just there are, stupid. There are <laughs> issues. There are issues. Um, I pointed out one or two to you during the film. Um, Let's say, as far as spoil, spoiler territory goes, there's only so much you can spoil about a story that's kind of well-known. Yeah. Um, these guys uh, did this robbery over a long Easter weekend um, and then ultimately didn't get away with it, apart from one of them who no one's been able to find yet. But all the old fellas uh, were caught and sentenced. Um, so, as far as spoilers go, like that is the true story. <laughs> um, so we'll get, you know, we'll get into details of the film right away. Um... I think the film had a, a load of charm early on. Uh, the, the, basically, there's one joke in the film, which is that the guys are old. That's really it. Yes. Um, but the film kind of... It does make that quite charming while the heist is being planned and while it's underway. I didn't find it so charming. I mean, I could see that it was intending to be charming, but the charm didn't work on me. Well, there are elements... There's certainly a level of homophobia the film indulges in that I don't like. Throughout. Um, um. And it's it, it, it kind of... You, you question whether... You go, is the film making these guys homophobic to render them unlikable or is it actually indulging in homophobia I think it's doing a little too much of the latter to be honest yes um, it's it's not comfortable viewing it's indulging in a nostalgia for another Britain for the way that England used to be yeah and being uncritical of it and being completely nostalgic for it you know and it goes from the use of the Tom Jones music to the Shirley Bassey it's, it's in love with its own past yeah uh, it uses and- a lot of clips of 
from old movies, uh, including old movies of the actors in this one. Yes. Uh, which is uh, kind of cute, I suppose, but it is, as you say, indulging in nostalgia and, and clips of old heists and things like that. Um, that that suggests that there's a there's a reliving of the glory days kind of thing as opposed to as opposed to kind of saying you know these guys are old and this is why things are different it's saying these guys are still these guys in a way that's how it comes across to me yeah I'm not sure I'd go that far I mean it does say they're different well, these, these guys are trying to be these guys yeah I mean they all have diabetes and the yeah. hip replacements and whatever so you know but they do say inside I feel the same which you know I think everyone can empathize with right. Mm-hmm. I think it's try- they do that right at the end while when they've been caught and they all have to they've all kind of broken up and the yeah. tensions have come up and then once they're back together in prison they, they talk about how they all feel young inside and I think it's going for a soppiness in the ending that I didn't like yes I can understand I can understand the appeal of the actors and I can even understand the appeal of the nostalgia what I can't understand is the incompetence around you know the the expectations and pleasures of a heist film you know so I think like you know showing us what's involved you know how it will be carried out you know showing us all of those things kind of clearly and making it glamorous right like what's exciting about these old guys reliving their robbery is Mm. you know they must love the money and the loot you know and there were like scenes where you have all these diamonds and pearls you never even get a chance to look at them yeah it doesn't indulge in that really and that's partly the fault of the editing which as I said to you during the heist in particular is so haywire that actually the kind of older audience that you feel this film is at least partially aimed at it's, would have trouble accessing it it's it's I, I was having trouble following it yes it's part of uh, the cycle of films that is definitely aimed at retirees you know, it's kind of, it's part of the cycle of films like the Marigold Hotel and things like that, right? That mm. it has that audience in mind. I think there's no question of that for me. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't even indulge in those pleasures, really. You know, no. uh, so, I mean, the main pleasure and, and thus the use of the flashbacks, right, of the use of old films is really, I suppose, for an audience to demarcate the way they've changed in relation to how these famous stars have also changed and aged and gotten old. There's quite a lot of showing them very vulnerable and naked, really, or semi-naked, right, to see the deterioration of their bodies, mm. which I also think was unnecessary, Yeah, um, Unnecessary is probably the right word. Like, I didn't hate seeing that. No. But it's, it probably overdoes it. I don't it's know. a way of showing you, look how they've, look how they've mm. aged. That's the purpose of it, which I think is kind of disrespectful, actually. Um, so I, I, just didn't, I just didn't like it. I did think throughout the film that maybe it's addressing things that I'm not susceptible to, you know, because I'm not English. And there is a lot around Englishness, around the Lavender Hill mob, around, you know, get us a good cup of tea, around this is the way things used to be and you remember this restaurant and this hotel. And they go to Margate and, you know, there's English flags flying on suburban lawns and, you know, there are all of those things. You know, and maybe all of those things would work on an Englishman better than they worked on me. Uh, I just got nothing out of that, and all the rest of it irritated me. Speaking as an English person, um, although not one who uh, is is of a similar age to these guys, I, I, I didn't feel particularly kind of roused by that. Like I recognise, I guess, parts of it, but I, and as you would have done as well. Like, yes, I did. But in terms of kind of kind of rousing a sort of patriotic pride or something like that. Um, I didn't 
really. Like, I mean, it, it, it fits into a lot of similar London-y, gangster-y movies. I mean, yes. it, it's, it's absolutely sub Guy Ritchie. You know, people, people are quite down on Guy Ritchie, but... I like Guy Ritchie. I think the guy is a really decent director uh, for, for, for whatever kind of various faults he may have. It's imagine what he'd have done with this material. I mean, at least he takes genre seriously and he makes it fun and he delights in it. Mm. You know, this is incompetent. It is incompetent. Um, I mean, that's absolutely the word. So it's directed by James Marsh, who uh, we were just discussing. Um, let me just get up his details again. Uh, of, of his films that I've seen... I didn't really get on with either one. Well, Man on Wire yes. is acclaimed and won the Oscar for Best Documentary, and I found that it was, very I've middle seen road. It. I've seen it's it. It's all about wire walking between yeah. the Twin Towers. Yeah, I've seen that. That was okay. I mean, I didn't mind it. It was okay, it. but yeah. it wasn't particularly special. No. And it won the Oscar because it was about the Twin Towers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's um, okay to say that now. <laughs> <laughs> the theory of everything really, again, irritated me. The theory of everything, yeah. Um, so middle of the road, unimaginative, and again, yeah, people loved it. You know, um, though I think what's his name's performance, which, you know, was was incredible actually. Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. I think, um, you know, without him, I can't remember anything else about the movie except, except him, his performance. The really. problem I had with theory of everything, to, just to go on about it for a second, was. Um, I don't think it made anything of what was really interesting about the story. That what they make of the story is: isn't Stephen Hawking an amazing bloke, really? And aren't you interested in him? Um, but the, the what's so interesting is is his wife, because yes. they get married when they're kind of eighteen, nineteen, twenty sort of age. Because he says, "I've got this degenerative disease, and I'm going to die in five years' time, maybe." So they they passionately go, "Well, let's get married and let's live, you know, a short life, but let's make it great." And then, of course, he doesn't die. Mm. And his life goes on and on and on. And what that does to her life and her expectations, the film makes nothing of. But I thought that would be a really interesting place to explore. Yes. And that's the problem I had with the film, is it's this paucity of ambition in it. Where it was really just about saying the things that you recognise about Stephen Hawking. You know, the fact that he, he, he uh, wrote Brief History of Time and he's very well known for it. And he's, got the, he's in a wheelchair and he's got the electronic voice. That... It, it was just about building that and making it a bit of a sappy story and I thought it was so unimaginative so unambitious yes going back to um, King of Thieves uh, again um, I don't want to be too down on, on it in part because I laughed an awful lot at the first act and you know going, kind of going into the heist and during the heist I, I think there were there were loads of jokes that I really enjoyed and loads of little observations and bits of performance that I liked I mean there's one point where they're, they're sitting around a table planning the heist and Ray Winston is sitting there reading Forensics for Dummies, which yes. really made me laugh. It was it, so silly. It did. Um, though I hated Ray Winston in it. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, uh, uh, he used to be such a great actor. And at a certain point, he became lovable. And in every film he's in, he plays the same kind of thing, right? Like a hard, yeast and cockney, charismatic... But everything he does in the film is a way of getting the audience to love him, mm. you know. And I think he ruins every character. And I thought his performance stood out very interestingly against Mike, Michael Caine, who is fantastic, you know. And he normally is actually because uh, he's funny, but also he brings real depth to the character. You see, he's really suffering over like the loss of his wife, whom he really loved, right? Yeah. Yeah, and kind of he brings in all these layers to it, and he kind of gives you a character. And then kind of whether you like him is a different story. He makes him understandable in a kind of a complexity. 
you know, Ray Winston turns every every character mm-hmm. into a cartoon that you squeeze him in the gut and he goes, "Love me." Yeah. Um, and and I and I think it's it's a, yeah. it's a it's a it's a it's a one of his great faults recently, and he get he better get back to being an actor because. Mm. You know, people aren't going to love him forever if he keeps doing shit like that. There was when he talked about as well um, the idea of, of seeing the the actor's uh, physical degeneration or deterioration over the years. There's that one bit in particular where you see Tom Courtney and Michael Gambon in a swimming pool, and you, you see that very saggy bodies basically. Mm. Um, and the film is is kind of you're right; it does feel a little bit unnecessary. But then on the other hand, there was there were shots of Michael Caine. Who doesn't let himself be seen in in, uh, in such smart. a state? Um, he's always dressed, but um, but there are shots of him. It, it's his hair; you can sort of see through his hair a little bit. It's quite thin, and the way he holds himself—it's in his gesture and in his stance. It is a performance. It's not just mm. the way he looks. It is a performance of age that is quite kind of heartrending in a way. Like I mean, part of the thing is that he's lost his wife at the start of the film. I mean, we go back to talking about fridged women. <laughs> there's there's a, there's a light kind of element in the film of he's just lost lost his wife and he needs something to occupy his time and hence the heist happened. Um, <laughs> but, but, there is that. But that opening at the funeral, um, where he's he's very protective of his of his wife's memory, um, and you see him just kind of shuffling about and then and then at his home, and he talks about the silence. You know, you, nothing prepares you when you lose your wife of the silence of the house. There's a, there's really touching aspects to that. I particularly liked as well uh, when it's at the funeral. Um, Charlie Cox's character, the young fella, mm. comes up to him and says, "I'm sorry for your loss. I only met her a couple of times, but she left a lasting impression." Yeah. I just thought that was such a sweet thing to say. Like it really touched me very yes. early on. Yes. Um, the um, film has a has a kind of sensitivity, and I think that when the film loses its charm. And the characters devolve into bickering and trying to snatch what they want and this kind of thing and breaking off into little groups. I think it's quite a deliberate thing that the film loses its charm because it doesn't want to be charming then. But it is to its detriment because it's no longer fun. Well, the thing is, you know, that if it if it didn't want to be charming in one way, it had to be done. It had to be done in another. It had to be stylish. Yeah, exactly. Right, or kind of, or show you the lure of the robbery or the lure of the things being stolen. It does nothing. You don't you know? really feel the, the magnitude of what they want. Yeah. Like, it's, it's supposed to be millions and millions and millions of pounds worth of stuff. And, and all you actually feel is that they don't like each other, not that they want the stuff. And you also feel that there's no tension around being caught. Yeah. You know, so actually the bickering should always be in an interplay with the danger, right? And kind of, there's none of that here. So I actually, I think you're, you're being generous. I think this is the worst thing I've seen in, in a while, and I was just waiting for it to end. I think it's 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 overdoing it to say it's one of the worst things. We've, I mean, I think we have seen worse things recently. Like what? Uh, well, let me find. Uh, let me <laughs> Give a list. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I shall. But um, I'm sure we, I'm sure I can pick up one or two things which which we would agree are worse than this. Um, the Happy Time Murders. That was the worst. Is worse That's than true. this. Um, and that was. And although that is not being especially generous to this. <laughs> that, yes. that was so awful. That was so awful. Um, but no, I think, you know, this looks like a TV movie, it's actually. It's pretty bad, yes. And if it had been on TV, I would have turned it off after the first half hour. So that's how bad it was. Well, I would have kept it on while it was fun. And then I would have turned it off 
when he got shit. Well, let's all <laughs> agree. Does, like, after it the does first half hour, <laughs> we could have turned it off. It's longer than half an hour that it's fun for. Like I say, it's, it's half, you know? I, I mean, well, okay, I didn't time it, but like, that heist, it's after the end of the heist that you just that it all just dies. For me, it's when the heist starts that the film dies. Oh, no, there's quite good fun during the heist. I mean, I said to you, like, I like the, I like the idea that um, the heist gets kind of rained off, like Wimbledon. Like it's quite an English thing where I've never seen a heist where they just go, okay, we're going home for the night. Because yes. they've got the long Easter weekend, so they say, and, and then when they're trying to break through the, when, when they get through the wall and they're trying to push over the, 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 one of the vaults to get, to get into the next room, their ram breaks. And so they go, well, we're just going to have to call it a night and mm. get a new ram. Mm. Which I thought, I've never seen anything like that, really. I mean, I'm sure there must be examples, well, but they, it was quite novel to say, well, we're just raining it off. Well, they didn't do anything exciting with it. No. Anyway, I think we've, we've wasted too much time on this film. It's a really poor film. I don't recommend it to anyone. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought, yeah, I thought American... this um, one. I thought American Animals was flawed, but this is like... I mean, they, they try, American Animals is on another level of yeah, exactly. quality. Um, uh, they both try and have that sort of sub-reservoir dogs thing of... Like it's not so much the heist that's interesting; it's it's what happens after. Well, you know, and this I think one neither before nor after nor during. <laughs> it's like a flop throughout. <laughs> I said just like sneaking, sneaking for the first half and then leave after the heist. <laughs> All right. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. Oh, one last thing. Uh-huh. One last thing. There was a great bit where the, the young lad's called Basil, and he just annoys everybody. They don't really like him, and so he they're all having an argument in the heist. And then he tries to chirp in, and everyone goes, fuck off, Basil, in unison. And then some guy in the audience went, fuck off, Basil. <laughs> I thought I really liked that. It's that kind of film. That was the best laugh in it. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Uh, we are eavesdropping at the movies. Uh, if you're listening, you know where to find us. If you liked it, share it. Uh, yeah, you're making it very succinct these days. Yes. <laughs> no more need be said. <laughs> <Okay>. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye.